Yes, indeed, there really is a war out there. As much as we might want to deny it or not want to be part of it, there is a war. So, Father, we thank you that the war has been won. That's the good news, that we can fight from a place of victory. Because you have overcome the world. You said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And, Lord, we know there's many who don't know that. They don't even realize that you have already defeated our enemies. So we pray today that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to rejoice, to be encouraged in you, Lord God, not to look at all the things going on around us that are terrible and awful, which there are many, but to look at you and to keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before you endured the cross, the shame, despising the shame, and took the victory for us. So Lord, I pray that today people who are downcast, confused, trapped on the torture racks, feeling lost, and that their life is not fair, that they will look up and realize they have a chance to receive the complete redemption uh, that you died to give us, or not just a partial uh, temporary immediate relief, but we can have a full-blown, positive, powerful, anointed, um, dynamic life in you. And I thank you, Lord, for the promises that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that the enemy has already failed, and that we pray for divine protection and covering specifically over our lives, over the lives of our loved ones, our family members, those who work for us, pray for us, and love us, and the ones who have many who have listened to this show, that you encourage their hearts today. Cover us in our health and safety, in our traveling, our vehicles, our finances, our property. Let the anointing be upon us, Lord God, to allow our mindsets and our life uh, ideas, mindsets, belief systems to be changed and transformed according to your word. We thank you for wisdom, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit, Father. We thank you for the counsel and the, and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. Just before we get started, I'd like to remind you and invite you to join us and check out liferecovery.com. Uh, there are blogs, there are CDs, there's the bookstore, there's all kinds of things. And we have a new item out there, fairly new. It's called God on Trial. It's an audio drama series, 28 episodes, 30 minutes long approximately, that tell the story of the war between God and Satan for the souls of men. And uh, every, each episode discusses or deals with another critical issue, spiritual issue, that we have lots of questions about. And it really identifies and addresses these issues in a very powerful, entertaining, and dramatic way by uh, having witnesses testifying against God and for God in the Old Testament and discussing that as we also observe how the enemy tried to stop Jesus in the subplot, how he tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross and taking back the kingdom. So it's very exciting. Kids love it, actually. It's very good for Bible studies. It's good for discussion uh, openers. It's good for um, people of all ages. And it's fun to listen to when you're driving a long way in your car because you can actually buy a hard copy CD. So check it out. Um, do yourself a favor. It's like, what, two ninety nine. Uh, for the first episode, just check it out. You'll like it. All right, so let's today, we're going to talk about something that's, uh, I guess it's an encompassing, all-encompassing subject, when life is not fair. And um, by the way, which is all the time. If you live in this world and you think anything is fair or should be fair, you better 
back up and start over and look again at what you see and who rules the world. The God of this world, of course, is Satan, and he is not about to let anything good or just or righteous or hopeful happen to anybody. That Any of those things that are happening to you, the good things, the hopeful things, the blessings, are not coming from him unless, of course, he's using it to incite you or entice you or bribe you into staying in the place of submission to him. So life is not fair. So this, and by the way, the goal of living on this planet is not to make life fair. Life is uh, full of injustices. And the real issue is how do we deal with those injustices? Do we let them overcome us uh, and determine who we are and defeat us? Or do we uh, overcome them? And so we're going to look at a few things. You know, it's really sad when you really, the antidote, by the way, for injustice is love. But there, it's really, really sad when Satan has done such a fine job of getting everybody to believe they're not loved. Their mother doesn't love them. Their father doesn't love them. Their boss doesn't love them. God doesn't love them. They don't love themselves. Everybody is just l- drying up for lack of the revelation of the presence of God's love and power in, our, in their lives. So what happens when you're misunderstood? How many people are misunderstood? You know, children are misunderstood by their parents. Parents are misunderstood by their children. Um, uh, out in the community, people misunderstand your your intentions, or they attribute to you uh, negative inten- intentions, or that you're just doing it for you know the wrong reasons. Or so we get judged a lot, all the time, as a matter of fact. And we do a lot of judging of ourselves too. So don't just say everybody else is judging. We judge ourselves constantly by what we're listening to in our minds, in our hearts. The devil says, oh, you should have done that. You shouldn't have done that. You're responsible. You're guilty. Do it better next time. Make a better choice. You need to change. All of these recommendations, making better choices and and, and making changes is actually not the recommendations of Jesus Christ or the Bible. Did you know that? These are the recommendations of the world system. Try harder. Improve your behavior. Get it right. Take responsibility do it over. These all create a lot of anxiety and steal our peace. If we knew who we were and we knew where we came from and we knew what this is all about, justice would be, we would know who, who is the, the author of justice and where we're going to find our justice. But anyway, so we're, we're mistreated. We're rejected. Um, we're taught to not accept ourselves for who we are. This begins a lot of times in childhood when we're trying to please the parent, the absent parent, the um, uh, the abandoned child who wants to get someone to love them, uh, the distracted parent, whatever. So we're trying to get someone to accept us because we ha- we aren't sure if we can accept ourselves or not. We don't know who we are. I remember when I was little, I was probably five or six. I do remember this. I asked, I asked my mother one day. I mean, I had been processing life for five or six years already by that time. And I said, am I nice? <laughs> a five-year-old. Well, I don't even remember what she said. She didn't say, well, yes, honey, of course you're nice. She probably did say that. But I don't remember her a- answering the question. I just remember asking the question. But it is a little question that probably a lot of five, six-year-olds would ask. And it's very important that when you they ask that question, you have the answer for them that will ins- ensure their revelation of being loved. Um, so we live our lives and see ourselves through the expectations of others, you know, um, who, who see us through their expectations and insecurities and jealousies. A lot of times people are jealous. I have so many clients that have come to me 
They're, they're very beautiful people. They're very talented people. They're very smart people. And they come and they tell about their childhood stories and they were picked on. They were, they were, uh, uh, people made accusations against them. It was usually the, the, they were the not popular child who had all the gifts and talents who the popular kids were very jealous of. So they kind of formed this plot to um, instigate a, a riot emotionally against this blessed one. And the, and the child grows up thinking, there's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I'm not accepted. When the fact, in fact, that's the exact opposite. But that is life not being fair. That's when Satan is using other people to use them to um, teach you that you're not any good. And that's one of the big issues of life. If I'm, if I'm good, if I'm any good, if I'm loved, whatever. So the insecurities of the people around us a lot of times, or their distractions, or their jealousies, um, cause us to not see ourselves or our lives for who we really are, because we're looking at ourselves through their eyes and through their words. Um, and we feel, we feel like we have to earn their love. Um, you know, and, and what the, what's actually happening is we're trying to earn their love while the devil is using them, you taking, using them to get to use us to supplement their lives and secure their own lives. So a lot of times people are depending on their children or they're depending on, um, the people around them in their workplace or wherever to actually, uh, promote not the person, but themselves. And so you're trying to get the favor and the love of the one who's actually using you. So um, we, we are used to being used. We're actually pretty acclimated for, to injustice and being abused. Um, and these people are doing it to, to get gain for themselves. But we think if I just do what they want, I'll get gain for myself. So it's all about trying to get someone uh, to love you or give you uh, acceptance when in fact that's not even the whole point of life at all. And so many people, um, you know, they're trying to get the approval of someone, a uh, parent, for example, or a, that's already dead. They're still trying to get their father's approval or their mother's love. And these people have passed on and they're, they're not the ones who can uh, affirm you and validate you anyway, because they haven't even been able to validate and know who they are themselves uh, because they don't know who they are through God. So when we're despised, when we're trapped a lot of people are trapped in very difficult relations, not just parent-child, but, but marriages. Um, caught up in the lives of other people, codependent, caught up in their misery, caught up in their sin, their pain, their poverty, their rebellion. You're caught up in the middle of those relationships that are toxic and dangerous. And even politically, potentially very deadly, we, there's a couple of options. We can become very bitter. We can become very resentful. We can move away. Uh, we can judge them. We can make vows. I'm never going to be like that. Uh, I'm never going to treat my kids like that. I'm never, or or we can, or we can do what the Lord wants us to do. But me, most people don't really um, survive uh, well and don't deal well with these toxic situations because they don't really know how to forgive. Um, so they live their life with their options really limited to. Um, to to lost being lost um they they don't have joy they don't get a life that's filled with joy and purpose and freedom and but the question is how do you do that how do you get that back when we've all all everybody's been set up on this snake pit to be trapped and ensnared 
uh, Satan sets up psychologically ways to recondition you to believe not that you're a being, but that you're a doing. And then he has all kinds of ways he reinforces that um, reconditioning to get you to lose sense of who you are. So many are, you know, trapped on the torture rack of trying harder to be good and never good enough or trying to get someone's approval and they're never happy with you or they change their mind or they change the standards or perfection moves, moves the, the rule, raises the bar. And, and, and some t- people are just trapped in a lot of terrible misfortunes, bad luck, physical a- accidents, health issues, medical problems, things, bad uh, relationships, um, believing that they don't deserve anything better, so they settle for something because they were trained as a child to be bullied, uh, to be intimidated, to be controlled, to be threatened, um, hunted and hated. Um, and so they're accepting that as the way things are. So they repeat that again in their second time around. When you're a child, you get it the first time, and when you get past 18, you get to do it again, kind of, so to speak. And many people choose the same thing they've come out of. They don't have because they believe a lie. Life is what it is, and it's never going to change. And those are two very deadly lies, and people are raised in a mentality. For example, just just old terminology here, forgive me if it's offensive, but don't be offended. Blessed is you is not offended. The people who are raised up in a welfare kind of situation, some people actually needed the money, needed the help, because they were thrown uh, you know, into a very de- difficult situation. But when you grow up, you don't have to stay there. You you can make other decisions. You can believe God for a breakthrough, for the truth about who you are and for what he intended, intends for you. And a lot of people really don't know what God intends for them. They think God is kind of there to test you, to try you, to try your faith, to make sure that you're eligible for heaven, make sure you're good enough, make sure you're genuine, all this stuff, which is an absolute lie. God already knows who you are from the foundation of the world. In Ephesians, he actually tells us we're chosen, we're accepted in the beloved, we're uh, ad- adopted, appointed, all kinds of things. That he knows even right now, this very day, where you are on your journey. If you're two days from Don, if you're another 20 years down the road, he knows what's happening today before you know, and he was already aware of it. And he already had made provisions for you to be protected uh, and delivered. But we have to believe that. We have to believe that God is good all the time. The other thing we have to believe is that we are good, created in the goodness and the image of God, and that we love goodness, love and truth and justice. And that's why being life being unfair is so difficult for us because we're not used to unfair. We're not used to injustices. That's not where we came from. We came from a place of justice, truth, mercy, blessing, provision, abundance, anointing, goodness, peace. We came from that place, but we don't remember that. We don't know that because that's kind of like, um, you know, when we're born, that kind of is obscured from us um, because if we knew, and then the whole process of life is to kind of come back to realizing, oh, that's where I'm from. That's who I am because where you're from tells you who you are. And, and, and if we know we're from heaven, came from God, then we know who we are actually. So people, however, they get really mucked up very quickly in the mud pit of life with the torture racks, the misfortune. And then, and then they feel like I did something wrong. God must be punishing me because uh, I had this car accident. God must be punishing me because I, I, um, you know, I lost my leg, you know, whatever. Uh, at, at 13, I, 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 my hand was cut off, whatever. Uh, that is not God. That is not God. And as long as you're wavering and thinking, well, maybe it was God 
or maybe it's my cross to bear, or maybe I should, you know, whatever. You're not getting the point. The point is you're attacked. And the more powerful and precious you are and valuable and, and uh, intentional, God has bigger intentions he has for you, the more the devil is going to attack you. And God has big intentions for all of us, by the way. Um, so people are used to being bullied. And they get used to it or they get mad, they get bitter. And like I said, we, we make decisions, but not really the right decision. Um, how do we get our life back? Though? How do we get to that place of knowing freedom and truth? Well, Satan, first of all, let's go back for a second. Satan wants you to believe you are what you see yourself doing, saying, thinking, and feeling. So he is really feeding you, programming you through your soul, through your experiences, through your mind, will, and emotions. So he wants you to believe that you're trapped and this is your lot in life, and it's, nothing's going to change, like I said. And so you just keep it going. Then your life begins to go in a vicious circle. Um, Satan is the god of this world, and he runs it. The only thing he doesn't run is are those who are listening to God and obeying God and following Him. Um, but Satan is really behind every evil thing, every unfair thing, every difficult thing, every wicked thing that people do. Um, uh, that tries to beat us up. We don't want to believe that either. We don't want to believe, well, you can't blame the devil for everything. You know, I mean, you've got to take some responsibility. Now, who said that? Did the Holy Spirit say that? You say, well, that's what the Bible says. You've got to, you know, obey God. Yes, of course we've got to obey God. Why do you obey God? Why does God say to obey God? Because he knows that if you don't obey him, the devil's going to beat you up. Because the minute you agree with the devil and disobey God, you're, you're, the devil can attack you. He can bring, you've made an agreement with him, with his lie, with his purpose, and he and, and all he needs from you is that simple agreement, and he can begin to bring forth his destruction in your life. So God's asking us, telling us, reminding us, warning us to be obedient is not because he's a control freak. It's because he's a good parent, and he says, don't do that. You know, just like a parent. I mean, you're going to tell your kids if you're a good parent, you say, don't do that. Don't, don't get involved with those kids. Don't start drinking. Don't do drugs. Don't da, da, da. You know, you're going to start warning. They're saying, well, mom, dad, you're so controlling. You're such a control. No. Why are they doing that? Because they don't want you to have a life or because they do want you to have a life. They want you to have a good life. And so, but many people, um, you know, don't want to put the devil in the equation. That's, you know, just, we got to take some responsibility. Well, you know, in Romans 7, 20, 20 7, 20, sorry. Paul says, if I'm doing what I do not want to do, it is not me doing it. It is the sin that dwells in me. But people don't want to accept the fact that there's a spirit, uh, a tempter, that goes about prowling about his roaring lions, lions, seeking whom he may devour, that is placing many of these thoughts and feelings in your heart and in your head. And so when we, we go with appearance, we are re it's recycling the lie. I see myself doing, saying, thinking, and feeling something. I just go with it. Okay, that's who I am then. That's who I am then. And so we're kind of, the devil is feeding us this line of garbage, and we're using that to build our house, our self-concept, our identity through what we see ourselves doing. Well, that must be who I am then, you know. Uh, or on the other hand, we may de deny if the behavior is bad and negative. I didn't do that. I didn't say that. But we, so in other words, we don't know the truth and we don't own the truth. We are just, and Jesus said, don't make judgments based on appearances. But we do that all the time if we're using our 
soul software instead of our walking in the spirit. So that's the difference. In the soul, you are wide open. Your mind is wide open to the doubt, the fear, the confusion, the accusation, the guilt coming in to twist and turn and tempt and pressure and, and convict and accuse you. And so what do you do then? You're on that side of the torture rack. Oh my God, I've got to do something with my terrible life. And so Satan says, well, here's what you got to do. You got to be religious. You got to try harder. You got to be perfect. You got to please. You got to da, da, da. And so you're on this torture rack going in opposite directions. You know what a torture rack is, like a, a tug of war pulling you apart. Satan wants to set us up in opposition to ourselves, as the Bible says in Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 24, 5, and 6 in the Old King James. By the way, they keep revising the Bible, and I believe ah, some of those revisions aren't the best. Anyway, um, so... Satan is trying to set you up in opposition to yourself to get you to believe you are your own worst enemy and that you have to fix yourself, that you have to get rid of the injustice, that you have to get even. And how many people, when things aren't fair, they get mad. And we're tempted when you're, when you're tempted to get mad when things aren't fair, then we're tempted to sin. By the way, you know, when God made us in his image to love justice, truth, mercy, righteousness, peace, purity, goodness, holiness, etc. There were two things that he did not like. God is love, but he did not love sin and he did not love injustice. And guess what? Because we're made in the image of God, those same two things bug us a lot. When things aren't fair, we get mad or we get upset or we get motivated to do something. And when, when we sin, we feel guilty. Now, just think about this a minute and, and please start to think in the Holy Spirit. If a person is feeling guilty for sinning, why are they feeling guilty? Because they have done something, agreed to something that is contrary to them, to their true divine nature. The very fact that you feel guilty for sinning proves you're not created to sin. Because if you were created to sin, it wouldn't bother you. If a dog is created to bark, it doesn't bother him when he barks and barks and barks and barks all night. It doesn't bother him. He doesn't feel guilty and he doesn't stop. But we feel like, oh, I got to do something to get rid of that guilty feeling. And so, but the thing is, we, we're, we, we're tempted, we sin, and then we feel bad or we feel guilty. And then the devil says, here, I'll fix it for you. But he won't fix it for you. He'll give you another problem to fix the first problem. And then you have two problems. So, but we, when things aren't fair, we get mad. And so some of us sin then. We, we, we you know, uh, we decide we're going to get even. We're going to live. We're going to go on this revenge kick or this vendetta kick. Or our whole life becomes consumed with the rage, the anger, the bitterness. And boy, I tell you what, if there's anything that drains your energy faster than anything else, it's anger. Anger just drains you right down to zero and kicks in the adrenaline and your anxiety levels go up. So people learn to live in these cages of anger and frustration and bitterness. Bitterness, by the way, is swallowed anger. When we... Um, uh, can't express the anger. We're in a situation that's dangerous. Uh, we're outnumbered. There's more of them than us, or they're bigger than us, or we're a child and they're the parent. A lot of times that anger that cannot be expressed, and sometimes it is, you know, they, you, know you throw a tantrum, you throw a fit, and your parents just think you're rebellious and bad and mean. They don't realize that this is, is an expression of some super frustration, and they may be part of the cause of it because they are probably being used by the enemy in some way to resist and not love you. I mean, if, if, if the child knows they're loved and secure, they're not going to be throwing tantrums and fits. 
unless there's something outside of their life that's causing this fear. And then the parent is aware and can fix that or deal with that. But so we live in places of anger and frustration and bitterness. And that's your whole life. Aggression. You know, all you want to do is get even. All you, I know people like that. I, I think you probably do too. What a loss. What a waste. What a, they don't know they're loved. They really do not believe that they're loved because they've been so psychologically conditioned by the devil to believe they're not loved. They're on their own. They got to fight for themselves. They got to take, you know, you know, matters into their own hands. And that's what witchcraft is. That's why we have so many witches out there. They're taking matters into their own hands. They're controlling things. They're manipulating people. They're disobeying God. They're haughty. They're rebellious. They're afraid. They're insecure. That's the definition of a, of a witch. Now, that could be a Christian. It could be a non-Christian. You know, people who are insecure and taking matters into their own hands. By the way, the bottom line lie underneath witchcraft is it's up to me. Does the Bible say it's up to me? No. But those who take control and manipulate other people's lives and try to corner them and accuse them and gain advantage over them, are they not taking matters into their own hands? Are they not manipulating? Are they not practicing witchcraft? They're surely not practicing love and, 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 uh, they're surely not forgiving one another. This is, these are the two options. You either trust God or you don't trust God, bottom line. Or, and say, well, I sort of trust God. Well, I'll tell you something. For those of you who wonder if you trust God enough or you should trust God more, you're built by God to trust God, bottom line, done. No more discussion. You, when I say, well, does God lie? You say, well, no. Well, is, tr- is God trustworthy? Yeah. Well, how do you know that? You're built by God to know that. That's how you know that. And you say, well, you know, you, what you're saying when you say, I don't trust God, you're not saying I don't trust God. You're just saying, I don't quite, I can't quite figure out what this is all about and what's going to happen. But if, if at the end of everything that might happen, you know, God is still in control. God is good. God loves me and it's going to be okay. And all things work together for good. Then you're okay. You're trusting God. If at the end of every day or in the middle of any situation, you can look up and say, or look down and say, or look to the side and say, God is still good and God is still in control, then you're fine. It doesn't matter what the devil throws at you. You may be like Paul in the middle of the sea floating around on a a two by four for two, three days. But he knew that he was going to be okay because God already told him he was going to be okay. So he was fine in the middle of that sea swallowing and swallowing him up and, and he was okay. Because he knew that he was loved and he knew he had a mission. He knew he was okay. He knew, and, and when you know that, you're pretty invincible because God's right there with you. What else? Do, what do you, whom shall I fear? Like the, the psalmist says. So we're not going to spend our life paying things back and getting even, uh, even trying to make our voice heard, you know, because, you know, you have a voice, use it. Um, this is what God wants us to know. Um, you know, these other things are pointless and by the end of your life, if you tried to get even, you'd never have gotten even anyway. Nothing is lasting. There's no satisfaction. There's no final sense of accomplishment. Um, so how do we like to start our life over after we've lived so much of it in pain and frustration and brokenness and being psyched out by the devil? How do we start to live our life in the right, going in the right direction? Well, the first thing to get back our freedom, um, from this life that's been filled with lies and is not fair, uh, is to a life that's sad and unsatisfying and, and full of pain and guilt and being overwhelmed and giving up, um, is to go back to the beginning. Oh, let's go. And we're not going to start over again. We don't have to start over again and do it right this time. We have to go back to the beginning and know where we came from, but to the place where we be of our origin, the place where God created us, the place where God 
God created you. The very fact that he created you is an endorsement of the fact that he wanted you. He didn't just make billions of people for the fun of it. He knows everybody. He knows our hearts. He knows our hairs on our head. God wanted and wants you. The fact that God wants you should be enough for you to motivate you uh, with a serious, powerful love, attraction towards God, to want to know him uh, and to get back to that place where we were in the first place. So um, we need to get the truth. We need to have a clear picture of who we are. This is number one, your identity. And right now, look at around you, all around you. The world is cracked and broken and full of identity crises and conf- confrontations. And uh, nobody seems to know who they are. They can't even get the first building block in place, male or female. That's the very basic, basic. And that's the first building block upon which God begins to build you. And so people don't know who they are, where they came from, where they're going, what they're supposed to do. It's just a, 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 a mobby, a mob, a mess out there. But, okay, so the next thing, number two, we have to get a set, a correct set or copy of the rules, um, the instructions, the, the true narrative on what is really going on, not the one that's given to you by the mass media, the multi, uh, the ones who are tasked, tasked by Satan to keep the narratives of lies and uh, going. Um, that it, but we need an, an explanation of the real truth about what is going on, how things work, what really happened. And um, we get back to the spiritual story of knowing creation uh, and what, what is going, why? Why is this going on like this? The many false, fake narr- narratives are deadly and they're set to misdirect us, to just keep us deceived and distracted until we die. And those are set up by the enemy whose one and only intention is to destroy us. And by, by the way, he's, he's getting pretty detailed on this. He's taking it down to the DNA. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, if your DNA is changed, stripped, ripped, spliced open, uh, you, know, um, you know, and you add other factors to your original human DNA to change your humanity, to change your humanness, then you've also changed your options for heaven and you won't be able to get there. So, number three, set your course. Determine to, be, to get familiar with that spiritual war that has been so hidden that Satan has so tried to conceal um, the war between God and Satan. And here's where I tell you again, get the audio drama series, God on Trial. It, it's, it's probably going to change your life, actually. Number four, Know the truth. Knowing the truth sets us free. So to know the truth, we also have to recognize the lies that we've been believing or that we've been in an agreement with. And so to do that, you're going to ask the Lord to show you. When you read the Bible, by the way, the Bible is the looking glass. It's the mirror. You look at it. Everybody you know, has got probably 12 mirrors in their house. You go look at your face. Do I look okay yet? Do I still look okay? Do I still, still, still look okay? Is there a spot here? And when you see something wrong or you, you pick at it or you wash it or you do something to minister to it. Um, but the word of God is like that. It's like a mirror. You look into it and say, oh, oh, oh. It says, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Well, oh, well, I didn't do that yesterday. I kind of blew it over there. I kind of took advantage of this situation, this person that's where we begin to use the Word of God as a place to kind of reset, restart, um, and, and, and uh, uh, know the truth about what's really the truth. 
So we start following Jesus in earnest. Number five, start following Jesus. Don't say, well, you know, when I get older, when I get done with what I want to do, I'll follow Jesus. No, start today. Oh, you say, well, I can't do that. That's too hard. I can't stay that focused. I'm not that self-disciplined. I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I can't. You know what? It's not that you can't and won't. That's true. You can't. It's true. You won't if left to yourself. But the Holy Spirit has been sent to live inside of us. So he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the Holy Ghost guidance system. He is there to do a lot of the things that you cannot do. But you have to let him. You have to go to him. You have to seek his counsel. You have to walk in obedience to what the Lord, the Holy Spirit shows you. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, you do. Just who said, I don't know how to do that? I don't know. Who says that's from, I don't know. Where's I don't know from? Heaven or hell? Confusion, doubt, you just surrender like the man who says, Lord, help my unbelief and say, Lord, I help my unbelief. You're going to have to do this for me. In me, this is your day. You live it. I'll just follow you. I'll follow you. What are we doing today? Look at it that way. Say, oh, I've got so many things to do today. No, God, what are you doing today? Oh, I see you put a hole in my day right here. Oh, a nice break in my schedule. Oh, what do you want me to do with that? Oh, okay. Well, we'll follow God into all of these because he wants to lead us not only into more work and more productivity, God wants to lead us into peace and relationship and rest and rejoicing and being thankful and noticing him in the midst of this horrible mess. If you can keep your eyes on Jesus by noticing him, being thankful, blessing him in his creation, uh, rejoicing in his goodness and praying and asking for things that you need, um, focusing on him. You know, I'm in shock lately. I've been, you know, asking for things like pretty regularly, probably five or six times a day for a specific this or that. And boom, there it is. And I say, wow, God answered my prayer. Like I shouldn't really be shocked that God answers my prayer, but that's just the mentality of where we're at. We're not really used to believing and walking hand in hand in synchronization with him to know that we're asking in his will. He says, if you ask anything according to my will, you know, you've got it. So we start following Jesus in earnest and then get to know him. Read the Bible. If you don't know where to start, there's two, there's three good places. You start in the Gospels. Read about Jesus over and 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 study what he did, what he said, how he handled people, what he didn't say, um, how he treated people, how he was attacked, what he had to come up against. And then the other two places are the Psalms. They're really good prayers to pray at bedtime, you know, not just now I lay me down to sleep. Open your Bible and read a psalm. They're very, very, very good prayers. And for those of us who aren't very creative, they're very super helpful. And then read Proverbs in the morning. Okay, so you have some wisdom to go. There you got. Start with that and you'll be you'll go from there. Um, then the next thing to do is to uh, include him in every part of your life, every decision of the day. Um, you, I mean, the big things and the little things. Don't forget the small things because those become the big things. Even like what I should eat or should I eat that or should I eat, go there or, or um, you know, how should I spend my, my free time? You know, how you f- spend your free time really tells a whole lot about you, just like how you spend your money. And that's the other thing we should ask, God, how should I spend my money? What should I buy? Do I really need that? Do you want me to have that? Would that be good to give to someone else? What... How are you going to spend your money? And people wait, oh, what about your ending? What about your retirement? What about what? What about God? He's my retirement. He's my, my inheritance. He's my provision. So number seven, big one, forgive, forgive, forgive those who have mistreated you, abused you, used you, set you up, taken advantage of you, and ask the Lord. You say, well, I forgave them. 
you don't maybe understand yet what forgiveness is. Forgiveness means I am turning the crimes that you committed against me, that you took advantage of me, you didn't love me, you abused me, you used my, my life to supplement your life, you um, threw me under the bus. Whatever you say, Jesus, who do I need to forgive? You just let him tell you who. And they'll come to your, these names will come to your mind. And then you either, if there's so many, you can write them down if you cannot remember them. And begin to say, okay, Lord, now what do I need to forgive him for or her? What do I need to forgive them for? And God will bring it to your mind because he says his sheep know his voice. And that's, he speaks to our understanding. It's not necessarily an audible voice, but he speaks to us. We know. And he says, for um, letting you down, for abusing you, for um, not protecting you, not loving you, for whatever, whatever. And so you bring these crimes then before the court of God because you've, you've tried to get justice yourself and you went to these puny little earthly judges or you tried to get it judged yourself, but you can't be your judge and the plaintiff in your own case. You have to be one or the other. So God is the faithful judge and Jesus is the faithful expert witness. He was there. He knows what happened. So you ask for the testimony of Jesus Christ in the matter when you were, um, what happened, you know, how you saw it, how they saw it. And you ask the Lord to judge, not that person and bring, find fault with them. It's not for you to find fault with them. It's for both of you to be set free from the, what the devil did to try to use the two of you against each other to destroy one another and the relationship. So you ask God to judge Satan, judge the demon, judge the bitterness, judge the unforgiveness, judge the the uh, abuse, the assault, the sexual perversion. Let God judge them and you turn the crime over to God. And then you ask the court for one more thing. You ask the court to restore unto you everything that was stolen through this crime that was committed against you. I want back my peace. I want back my joy, my justice, my goodness, my hope, my integrity, my honor, whatever. You ask the court to restore it. And then you ask the Lord, did you hear my case? Ask him. What does he say? What does the court rule? And so he will show you. And with that, you, and then you can't go on a feeling though. You can't say, oh, okay, I feel forgiven. It, you may or may not, but the feeling of forgiveness does not mean you're forgiven. What, what causes you to know you're forgiven is the fact that you did it. It wasn't an act of uh, an emotion. It was by an act of your will. You turn this crime over to God. And you may need to do it 490 more times today. You don't know. You say, well, they didn't ask for forgiveness. And that doesn't really matter. For crying out loud, most of them can't ask for forgiveness. Some of them are dead. If you're waiting for that, you'll never get free. You have to know that you can be free, whether they're free or not. And once you forgive them, you've actually released them to also go after the forgiveness and restoration for themselves. So release that judgment to God, let it go, and you will find out you're not carrying all these burdens and God's going to make it right. You know that he will. You know that he is whole, all the Psalms, everything's full of it everywhere, that he is going to make it right. He is the righteous judge. He cannot not make it right. Um, know, and then know that the people that, um, the family members, the coworkers, everybody that, that, um, Satan used against you or tried to take you from them or, or take away your rights were just simply pawns Satan was using to try to wedge or drive a stake between you and them to break up your relationship with those people so that they don't feel loved, you don't feel loved. He hates love. Satan hates, 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 hates love. He doesn't want any love in his kingdom. So don't let these people, number 10, control you or give them power to make you mad or even the power to um, cause you to, uh, to change your direction or to go even, even like, for example, to go on the other side of the street. Some people, when they, when they're mad, somebody, they see them coming down the street, they'll go on the other side of the street. Don't give people the power 
to make you change, to avoid them, make you change your side of the street. Just love them. Know you're okay. Know they're okay. Know they've been tested and tempted by Satan. Bless them and go on. Um, know who you are, number 11, um, that you are put here by God. He has a purpose for your life and that he will make all things fair. And that day is coming very soon. Number 12, get to know God. Talk to him every day. Um, get the right answers to your spiritual questions. Number 13, go to people, counselors, wisdom, people. God has given us wisdom, a spirit of wisdom. The wisdom you're going to get from the Holy Spirit and from the Word, there's nothing, there's no better source. But sometimes we can listen to teachers who are actually been there, done that, and learned it already, and you can get some of those spiritual answers. You really need to get those questions answered. Again, God on trial, it would be super for that. Um, Number 14, do unto others as you would have them do unto you and leave the rest with God. Treat them as you would want them to treat you. The, the final commandment, the, the last commandment, the only commandment, the commandment upon which everything will be judged is the one Jesus gave us uh, in John 14. Love, new, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbor as yourself. All the law is fulfilled in this, that you love one another. So if you want to check out a couple more references, go to Matthew 18. He talks about forgiveness. Uh, you know, go to, and if somebody sins against you, there's a procedure sometimes that can be worked out. You tell them, go to their face. If they don't listen, take someone else with you. If they don't listen again, tell it to the church right now. That's in question, like which church, where? Um, if they don't hear, if they don't hear and they don't hear, then <clears throat> it's off you and on them and on the Lord. But you can keep praying for them. Um, people sin, people get discouraged, people get a lot of unfair things that happen in their life because Satan brings demonic judgments upon them. He beats them up when they're down because they're not used to being loved. Um, they're, they're used to thinking life is super hard, um, and it's never going to change. And they get used to living in a variety of hardships. You don't have to do that. Not to say the righteous won't be persecuted, but we know who we are, and we and Jesus knew who he was. He wasn't offended by the persecution, as a matter of fact, because he knew who he was. So knowing that you know that you're loved by God all the time, no matter what, no matter what it looks like, it feels like, that is the key to justice, truth, peace, freedom, love, and an anointed life. And so, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and strength and love and goodness and justice and mercy. And we do not have to live with a bitter, crumpled up old life just because people around us are jerks or because they believe lies or because they're used by Satan. We can have pity upon them, have pity upon them because they got that way because Satan really hurt them somewhere. And so we ask that they would also be healed of that place where they really got hurt, where they're also hurting other people. So Father, we ask you now for a great day, a great evening, a great time for the ones who are listening, a super blessing, a new revelation and restoration um, for your glory, for your kingdom, and for your soon return. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.